I'm going to give you part two. It could be a three. I just started to put continue on there. But uh, I want to talk to us this morning, continuation of something that I'm trying to do. And so I like, I like to make professions. I like to profess things. I like to say things. I like, because I think there's, you can do nothing and nothing can be done unless it's first spoken. That's just the, the way of the God kind of people. And that's what our aspiration is, of course, is to be of the God kind. You know, and a lot of times we, we let our internal dialogue and all intimidate us from past experiences or past labeling that somebody's put on us or, you know, but we have to speak those things. And so I want you to, to say this today. So I'm here to learn and say I'm capable of learning. And the reason I always say that is because a lot of people think that the hithers and the thithers of the King James Bible, and, you know, this is what preachers even tell me. Well, you just can't know it all. You just can't know uh, their mysteries, even though the Bible says the mystery's been revealed. Well, we'll understand it better by and by. Said, no, because your salvation is dependable, is dependent upon your learning. And what I'm trying to do is help you restructure these core beliefs to realize that you have a purpose and to understand what that purpose is. When modern Christendom was hijacked, it didn't happen overnight. Y'all know that, don't you? Just like this country hasn't been hijacked overnight in the way our morals are and things like that. There's a purpose for us. And there is no individual purpose for any person except to be part of a purpose of a ecclesia. This house has purpose. It's a it's to fill the glory, the earth with the glory by a generation of people, an ecclesia who will do his will and reflect his character and ultimately have a physical transformation into what the Bible calls his spirit. Remember, spirit isn't a ghost that they've taught you on Disney and spooky movies and the mentality of man's carnal mind. The beauty of it is this. We are here today. We're not dead yet. And we have this time and this opportunity to become a great ecclesia to the glory of God. And all that matters is if Yahweh thinks we have a great ecclesia. As I told you last week, I don't want to just inspire you today. I don't want you to come here so I can just give you a boost of your self-image or to give you an encouragement. I hope I do that. I hope though you're always inspired and encouraged. And I hope you're motivated, but that's not what I'm trying to do here today. What I'm trying to do is change your life from the very core of what you think and what you believe. I'm going to deliver you again today and continue to do and deliver you from a cognitive lock of a seeing things a certain way and being happy with it. Even though you keep going around the mountain of the same stuff in your everyday life. We believe that Yahweh is going to deliver us from our wilderness life. Going around the mountain again, dealing with things, not knowing, not understanding, not, in, not coming into our inheritance that we are allowed, which is called the earnest of now life. I asked somebody about it. They said, well, what about following that cloud? You say, don't follow it. I said, yeah. Well, how do I know if I'm still following the cloud and I haven't come and got rooted and grounded in the purpose of God for me? Into that crossing over that God has for us today. I said, well, I can tell you by listening to you, and I know whether you're still following the cloud or you become baptized into the cloud. And the number one characteristic of that is that you complain. You're still complaining. I didn't do, I did this and God didn't do that. Or I, she said this, and I don't like that. And they look at me, I'm going to tell you, that person is still in the wilderness. And remember, after a time, after a generation, 40 years, Yahweh said, okay, you want your way, you'll have it. How many of you know that Yahweh will ultimately, if you keep pushing for it, he'll give you what you want? Oh, you want it? He'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. All right, there you go. People that follow the cloud in the wilderness, they're all addicted to the self-pity. It's all about them and what they did. And you know what? And it's, it's amazing to me because the past always looks better than the now. Man, I have people tell me the good old days, and when I studied about what the depression was like, I don't see one good day. Not just the good old days, plural. I see nothing good about it. I know there's a lot of character built out of it and all that. 
People lie, things are so tough. You don't know how tough it is for me. I'm gonna, look, let me tell you something. Don't expect a sympathy card from us. You hear me? Because we got the same problems you got. They're just different. And the only reason they're bigger to you is because they're yours. Your, my problem is always going to be bigger than your problem, even if it's not bigger or not. It doesn't matter. That perception of what it is. I got things are so tough. Life's so hard on me. I don't know how I've been dealt a, a bad hand. And I like to say it this way. The man or the woman who's still following the cloud is still under a cloud. It's like you see people in cartoons and stuff, and they have that cloud following them everywhere. You know what I mean? It's, it's raining out their parade. It's always bad. But I believe this, that the Word of God is quick and alive, and it's more powerful and sharp than a two-edged sword, and it divides asunder the soul and spirit, and the thoughts and the intents of the heart, the joints and the marrow. It's going to get down to who we really are and make that marismos of that, divide asunder that thing. And I want to tell you that your old dog is going to learn some new tricks. Say Hallelujah. I'm going to show you part two of how to move from the cloud to the hand. From the cloud to the hand. And I believe if you have the daring to believe it, this word will change your life forever. It will change everything about your outlook and your, your, your uh, personality and the way you approach life. So we've looked at all kind of things. And I want to, I want to go back just a moment. To, I guess I can just remember them quickly. But there's, I, I was basically trying to teach us that a lot of times what we do is we get into a position because, can I, y'all give me just a minute, let me find that because I wrote this down. Where are you at there? Reload that right there. Down to Moses. Just talk, talk among yourselves. I, I, I want to be more specific in it. Okay. Aren't you glad I'm not going to teach all these notes today? Okay, the future. Okay. All right, here we go. This is what I think has happened. I think we have this general consensus, and we've been told this, you know, and I believe in claiming things, you know, but I don't want to claim something that's not mine. Why claim that? What do they call it, dibs? I got dibs on that. I claim that. Well, you can't claim it. It's mine. I claim that car. Well, you can't. It's my car. You can't just pick a verse out of the Bible or a promise from the Bible and say it is to you and for you. And I think we've had this concept built up in our heads and our minds, and we built this whole theology about who God is, how he works, how he deals with things, by just saying, hey, well, that's, you know, I'm, I'm going to claim that right there. We say promises, you're going to be, the, I'm going to give, let you be the king of Israel, how many of you know you can, you can claim that all day? It ain't to you. It ain't to you. The promise wasn't made to you. But we have this mentality. And I think what it does, it has set us up for disappointment. Because we're believing God for something that He never even promised us. When we don't even know the true promises that He said, and we still think we're that He promised heaven. He never promised that. We're still claiming it. The simple basics. Because I think we have this mentality. And this is what I believe from my experience. And I've been around the block. I've been around large ministries. It's amazing. I'm the Forrest Gump. I, run, I could drop names to you that you always led in my life, and I have a relationship with people that it's just pretty amazing. But this is what I see. I've seen people's lives become frustrated and disappointed and disillusioned about God because, hey, where are you? What did you do? You promised. You said. And really, no, he didn't to you. The Bible was written to individuals about different things and about this and about that. And so when I, you know, you just can't do that. I tell you what, we, this is what I feel like church is usually in America. It's like a Civil War reenactment. Because what we're trying to do is reenact something that happened historically at, at a time and a place, like I told you last week. Of course, we, we know it happened in Moses' time. We saw the gift of the Spirit of God come and do what it did for an, an allotted time for a people to fulfill the purpose of God on the earth. We saw that it was going to happen. It happened again on the day of Pentecost where God was saying, hey, I'm going to use, you know, I've got I've to give them a special anointing, if you want to call it, or gifting, or power, because... I'm going to be saying this to a bunch of Jews that what you believed in the past is wrong now. 
We need some power. You know, I, I think it would be great if we could say this. Well, which is easier. Because Yahshua was trying to, he forgave some man of his sins and he called him blasphemous. He said, well, watch this. You, which is easier? My sins, be free, my sins be forgiven or take up thy bed and walk. He's got you. How many of you know, if you, you would probably have a better chance of convincing people that God was real and all that, everything you believe was right, if you could say something like that. Okay, I'll tell you, if, I'll prove I'm right or not. You know, uh, you, you're, you're, no, you're no longer blind. They would probably say, well, Shazam, I think I'm going to go with you. I think I'm going to choose you. How many of you know it would be easier to do that? So why don't it happen? You don't think I've cried out to God? Hey, God, just give me a little bit of that power. Ten minutes of it. Ten minutes of it. We can reenact these things. It's amazing to me, all of these miracle revivals and stuff. And I can name personal friends of mine that are big time that you have heard of probably, but hopefully you haven't. And they ain't got no miracles. And just don't call it a miracle revival if you're not going to have a miracle. Just call it an offering service. So you can take up the offering. Just say we're going to have a slain of the spirit service. Just say we're going to have it. But don't call it a miracle unless we see a real one. Well, Brother Johnny, I'll tell you what. I went there and I felt some days in my back. My head hadn't hurt since that time. You know, I still take Advil. But besides that, you know, I mean, I'm, God's healed me. Am I being facetious? Yeah. Because I don't want you living in the land of fairy time. I don't want you living in the land of uh, make-believe. I'm trying to think what they call it at Disney World. Fantasy land. I, don't, I want you to live in the reality, and I don't want you to keep getting disappointed about something that you're asking God to do that he never said he would do, and now you get your feelings hurt, and you feel rejected. How many of you feel rejected when you ask God to do something, knowing he can do anything, and he don't do it? What you do with my baby right here? You're not going to heal my baby? You're not a good God. Oh, he's good because he said he was. I, I don't want to be people buying that. I'm certainly not blaming God. And I'm certainly not against doctors. But the reality is this. If somebody will be honest enough to hear me and believe what I'm saying, I know what your ministry is. I know you're a miracle man. You watch me. You want kind of stuff. But I want you to consider this. Most people on our prayer list either have to go to the doctor or die. Can't somebody be honest? I pray. I was with Urban the other day. I said, look here, man. I got an email. Please pray that God will guide the surgeon's hands. I pray that. I'll tell you what. I like I said, I go, to, I go to the hospital. I'll get me a four-leaf clover, a rabbit's foot, and, and anything else. You know, a magic genie lamp or something. They're going to do surgery on me. I want all the help I can get. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, will you pray that he'll guide the surgeon's hand? Well, if I'm going to pray, why don't I just ask God to just heal me? How many of you know it? We wind up at the doctor's office. Well, I tell you what, we're coming against Satan today. We're coming against Satan today. So is Satan stronger than God when your loved one dies of a disease and God didn't heal him? Or are you telling me he couldn't heal him? Or what's the deal? I think I'd rather him not be able to do it than him not do it. Y'all with me today? Am I hurting your feelings yet? I told somebody today, look, man, you'd, until you're serious about serving God, don't come to our church because you're just going to be mad at me all the time. Get in that line. I taught you about three epic times how God moves, how God works. So you've got to know how God works. You can't, you can't get in your car as a standard shift and expect it to be automatic when it's not automatic. But I think we do it all the time when it comes to God. You can't turn the AC on in your house if you don't have one. You say, well, my house didn't come with a, an air conditioner. Well, it, it, it don't come with an air conditioner. So we have to learn who God is. And when you really get a revelation of what and who he really is, he go, first of all, he's going to tell you his real name. And his real name is son. But let me tell you what he'll do. He'll say, look, this is how I work. And you either come and work with how I do it or don't work at all. Remember I told you Moses, I kind of did that already, I guess. You know, the second Moses time, I, I talked about the, the next great epic historically, biblically, is of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit is that gift that, and it was Yahshua and the apostles and, and how Yahshua was, well, the Holy Spirit came and, and, and brooded over Mary and conceived a child in that human woman and, and 
you know, that takes the gifting of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you know that. And we, I talked about how, you know, how it's the children, uh, the disciples, the, the struggles they had, and how Yahweh, how, how Moses in the first epic in the wilderness, he gave and shared that power with the 70 elders. In the disciples' time, Yahshua shared it with 12 disciples or apostles. And what's interesting to me, you know, it, it was for a time. You hear me? It was for a time. It was for a purpose, a specific purpose. This is God's plan. This is what he does. This is what he provides during that time and purpose. And of course, the third time in the history of this round of humans on the earth is going to be when Yahshua returns. And I talked about that a little bit last week. So I, what I told you I was going to talk about today is to make it more personal now. What, what is the expectation and the purpose of God and, and how I can live with the Spirit of God in my everyday life as a believer? So we want to know that the purpose of God is what? To everybody get saved and not go to hell and go to heaven. No, it is not in the Bible. I was raised learning that, and I found out I was quoting Milton's Paradise Lost and Dante's Inferno, two books that I had never read and would have never read, but now have read. My belief system wasn't based out of a, a picture that I got when I was reading the Bible. It was formed by those two books, which were very, very, very. It's kind of like the Star Wars of today. I mean, it was, it was a culturally changed mentality when paganism married Christianity and Christianity married paganism and what we got is the American church modern Christian not just the American church but so we Yahweh wants to reproduce himself in people and to fill this earth with the glory by this people this generation of people who will do his will and reflect his character Paul described it when he wrote the Ephesians and this is how he said it and I want you to this is the mindset that you must get and that is an ecclesial, house number three, mindset. Because he calls it a temple fitly framed together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. So we have this building. And it's a group of people who are like-minded, who God is going to inhabit corporately. And I want you to hear what I just said. Everybody... Wants that individual anointing in my prayer closet. And I'm, in. I'm all for your prayer closet. I'm all for praying in the Spirit. But I want to tell you what. Nothing that God is doing today is just personally for you. It has to deal with the overall purpose of God's glory in the earth. Do you understand that? And if we get our mindset that we have this personal relationship with Jesus. I, I've told you before. I don't like that. Because that sounds like he's become your butler. I got a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. No, you don't. You, you have a, a, as the a Bible called Ishmael, the name means wild ass. You're just a wild ass. You're out there on your own. You're out there grazing. You're out there. You, you have no concept of what God's doing. When you are a part of what God is doing in the earth, then that's when you get the power of the Spirit to accomplish what God's doing. And luckily, hallelujah, we get the overflow and the leftovers and the gleanings. Y'all hear me? So you might tell somebody, you might as well get used to leftovers, my friend, because God is going to get his first. I was a little kid. We used to go to a church at Auburn Road Assembly of God. Man, you go to their house. Kids had to just sit around and wait till the parents ate. That's, why, that's how I learned to start liking gizzards and livers and back, chicken backs and necks. Because I guarantee you, those parents got the breast and the thighs. And back then, you know, the wings, the wings weren't, weren't like they were now. That guy, that guy up in Buffalo went and screwed all that up for us for cheap wings. Amen. So he said, it's, it's this process of this habitation of people fitly joined together. Yahshua is the chief cornerstone. The apostles and the prophets are the foundation. And the process is a process, listen close, and I know everybody's scared of this word, perfection. How many of you ever used the word perfect and somebody looks at you and said, nobody's perfect? They throw it totally out the window that you can be perfect. 
Thinking that means that you can never make a mistake. No, it means that you come into the full maturity of what that seed in you is. If you are a, an acorn, then guess what? The full perfection of that was if you grow into a full tree that produces acorns. And it's, it's a moral perfection that is followed by and rewarded with a physical perfection of the divine nature of the God kind, the family of God, God's likeness, godliness. This is what Peter said in 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. He said, according as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, Given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, by, that by these ye may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped, watch this, the corruption that is in the world through lust. So all this worldly stuff that we are desiring, the Bible calls it corruption, and we're desiring it through lust. And he says, basically, that you can't become a partaker of the divine nature that way. Because it prevents us from allowing the perfection and the walk of God, the purpose of God, the transformation. What we what we say? Revelation, transformation. I mean, revelation, transfiguration, manifestation. And poop, poop, poop. Whole work is the work of Yahweh in your and my cooperation with Him. A work of this power of God, which is a spirit, and it's through the power. Watch this. When I say from now on, if you hear me say something about the spirit, I'm going to show you this morning what that really means. The spirit is the power of the word of God through the ministration, ministry of angels. I'm, not, I'm talking real angels. I'm, you know, like I said, if you want to learn about angels, man, we got the teachings on it. We're getting them set up where we can watch it on the podcast, I think. This character that is being developed, this God-likeness that's being developed, that's for, being formed, is called, the Bible calls it, the new man and the spirit. The spirit of God is in a person who has received the seed and the word of God. It's a wonderful, wonderful concept that, that a new man can be formed out of an old man. And that the natural mind can be transformed into a spirit mind. Oh, God help us with that. A mind that is attuned to God's ways and God's mind. And we think like God does instead of think like that carnal, how did I put it? That a corruption that's in the world through lust. So the reality of the idea of God's, God's idea is expressed in several different things in the Bible. That I'm on, I'm, I say several. The whole Bible's about it, basically. But I'm going to give you a few today. Just These are, these are milk scriptures. And I'm just going to, they're going to give you a basic idea that the new man is begotten of God. I want you to say new man. New man. New man. New man. New man. And I know we've had this concept of what the new man is. You know, hallelujah, I'm a new man. I'm a new creature. I don't smoke, drink, or chew anymore. You know, I don't, I don't do bad things anymore. You know, what they say, smoke, drink, or chew with gold girls that do. I've, I don't do that anymore. How many of you know stopping stuff doesn't necessarily make us righteous? I tell you, I don't, I don't, I don't gossip anymore. Well, that just don't make you righteous. First scripture I'm going to give you today, baby milk. How many like milk? Milk does a body good. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Now we have learned that the word born again in John chapter 3 really is the word begotten. Yahshua was the only begotten Son of God. To be begotten is different than being born of the Spirit. Because you can't remain flesh and blood and still be born of the Spirit. That happens when we get our new body or we're transformed into a spirit man, so to speak. Spirit man does not mean that we have no substance. It is a resurrected body. So we see that we're born, of, born again really means we, when we're born again, the Bible says we can see the kingdom. But on that day, when, we're born, when Yahshua returns and judges us and we get our well done, that's when born of the Spirit, that's when we 
will be able to enter the kingdom. Born again or begotten, you can see the kingdom. I'm just quoting John chapter 3, by the way. Now watch this. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to do what? There you go. There you go. You want some power to do something? What is the purpose of the power of God in your life today? We know, that we know what it was for the disciples so they could, they could preach and confirm that what they were preaching was true with these signs and wonders. We know that Moses did the same thing to get them out of Egypt and all that. that special, what is the purpose of the Spirit of God? The number one purpose of the, of the Spirit of God in our lives today is to give us power to become perfect. Are y'all hearing me? Well, I was using all of our trying to use faith and power and all that on material goods. We're wasting it. Trying to, our time, if I get it, I don't believe God. We're believing God today for that new house. Hallelujah. And I'm, I'm all for that. Don't get me wrong. But, but the power of the Spirit of God, the number one thing is for you to become sons of God. Even them that believe on his name. And of course, don't make me go there this morning. We know, how can you believe on his name if you don't even know it? How can you say, hallowed be thy name? If you don't, how can, how can you hallow his name if you don't even know the right name? You, you don't, you don't, let me tell you how it works. You get up in the morning, you turn over, and you look at your wife and say, Hello, Francis. If that's not your wife's name, it, it ain't going to go good. So that's not, uh, that's not really hard for us to reach, is it? Look. Which are not born of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. There is a spirit anointing available for those who are fitly joined in the body to bring you to the perfection of God. He given us the power to become everything he's called us to be and requires us to be. And it's not because we're born of blood or the will of God. I mean, the will of flesh or the will of man. Look, this has got nothing to do with anything but one thing. God wanted it for us. Number two, so we're, we, we're begotten of God. We receive that. Here, listen to this. James chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. Of his own will. Remember, he gave power because he wanted to, to for us to become perfect sons of God. Him manifested in a people. Of his own will he begotten us. It says begat, but I want you to hear it. We you were begotten of his own will. He begot, begat us of his own will. Why did he begat us? Because he, it was his will. And let me tell you how he did it. And I want you to hear this real big. Because I've talked about spirit word for many years. And I know that when we talk about spirit word and we're talking about how Yahweh's going to really do this as a time for the spirit, I think our distinction is old thought mentality. Okay, the word is this and the spirit is this. So the spirit means this. We're going to have more uh, uh, animated services and we're going to be laying hands on people and we're going to be praying in tongues and yelling, you know, because that's, that's just how we relate it. I'm trying to get erase all that, get to the core so we can get to the real thing. How would you like to get to the real thing? He said, he begat us. He gave us that incorruptible seed. He gave us the power to become sons. He put the potential in us. He begat us. Watch this. What's it say? With the Holy Ghost and power. Hallelujah. He gave it for the, the no, what's he say? For the word of truth. And then he goes on to say, receive with meekness the engrafted word. Verse 21. I don't want to read the whole thing, but. It says, but receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to do what? what? What's going to save our soul? What's going to get us a well done? The engrafted word, the word of truth, the power of Yahweh, and it's his will for it to happen. He says it, he spoke it, we received it, and we develop it. Listen to this. Number three is John six sixty three. Now, you've got to remember, John 66 is the verse where he turned to his disciples and said, are you going to leave me too? Because everybody was leaving him. They said, are you going to eat my flesh and drink my blood? Because it is only the Spirit of God, by the will of God and the Word of God, that's going to let you profit in anything that you do. But if you're 
thinking that the result of the Spirit of God in your life is going to do this for you, and it doesn't because he never promised that. Well, we're going to go into an upper room, and we're going to pray, and we're going to pray, and we're going to pray till God comes and, and does this. Well, guess what? No, you, you're not gonna, it ain't going to happen. Now, could God sovereignly just do it for any reason? Yes. But if we're doing it trying to reenact something that happened on the day of Pentecost, I'm not looking to reenact Pentecost, guys. They, didn't, they weren't reenacting anything. Moses wasn't reenacting anything. I want to be in the now of what God is doing and where his presence is and where his power is and where that anointing is now. And I'm teaching you where it is. Get part of a group of people to be fitly joined together. And, and, and look, look what he said. He said, it's the spirit that quickeneth, which means gives life to. The flesh don't profit nothing. And I want to tell you, the church world is full of flesh stuff. That's why I, you know, I'm not, I'm not against activities. Somebody said, Johnny, what do y'all give away at y'all's church? I said, give away at our church. We don't, we don't give stuff away. We receive stuff. <laughs> he didn't like that. I remember years ago, Joel said, hey, I, I can't stay at, I might be able to stay today. He said, why not? Because a friend of mine's church down in Orlando had tape money under a seat. And if you got the lucky seat, you got to keep the money. I said, I'll tell you what, you want to preach this morning? How about by the will of God? How about, how about us tapping in and st quit getting in the flesh? I want to tell you, if you look at these guys, and I'm not criticizing, I, I feel sorry for them. And my heart is to illuminate their minds. But you know what? They're dropping like flies. Look at the Hillsong guy up in New York. Look at these guys, man. And the moral character is pathetic. Are you judging them? No, look, look I can't, I'm not a judge. I can't judge anybody, but I can testify against you. Listen to this. This flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Whoa! Stop a minute. Stop a minute. Did we just read over that or did we really hear what he said? He said, the spirit, it's the spirit that quickeneth. Okay. What gives us life? The spirit. Our flesh is going to profit us nothing. So why go through all the headache of having to be a cruise director at a church and have all these activities when you're not going to profit anything? My God, I tell people, Disney's an hour from here. I'm not, I can't compete with Disney. Here, there's your $500 for a ticket. That's what she said they cost. How much do they cost, really? The flesh don't profit anything. Okay, here it is. I want you to tune in real quick. Simple. You probably already know this. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. What gives us life? What gives us life? We know the flesh doesn't profit us anything. What, what the Bible says is the spirit that quickeneth, that gives life. What is the spirit? The words that I speak unto you. Not unto Paul. On the, or, or the disciples on the day of Pentecost. Or the Paul on the road to Damascus. And, or Elijah. I mean, I mean, we can just go on and on and on and on and on. But that he speaks unto you. Who is you? It's us. At this day, at this hour, historically, doing what God's called us to do. That's where he commands his blessing. And that's where life of the Spirit is. He said, the words I'm telling you, quit taking promises of somebody else and apply them to your life and trying to reenact something. I want to be authentic, don't you? I want to be my authentic self. I want to be who I am. And if I fail at that, then I'd rather be me as a failure because I know I could be a success if I do and be who I am. There's contentment once you accept who Yahweh created you to be. There's peace once you accept who Yahweh created you to be and you quit competing and try to be something more than Yahweh even required of you. Because anything beyond the weight limit that he's allowed to you will be too hard for you to bear. Unless he gives you something. No, I take that back. Unless it's what he gives to us. You know what I mean by that? Because what he gives to us is going to weigh a lot. And a me can't carry the weight of what we are supposed to carry. Where's my load? It's our load. First John 3, 9. This right here, 
I know people, I've heard people teach on it, teach on it, and it just never rung true. And it never did for them because, and they basically, I don't even know what it means. Because if this is true, then the person that was teaching was not a Christian. Because <laughs> look what he said. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. For his, God's seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. That's hard to preach. Cannot sin. So here's a preacher or a teacher. He's preaching this, and it says that, and he admits, well, I'm just saved by grace, and I just sin, you know, and I fall, and I ask God to forgive me. And, and well, then evidently, you haven't yet come to a place in your life that qualifies you here. So does that mean you're not a Christian, or what does it mean? Let me tell you what I want you to know about this verse right here. When you receive that incorruptible seed, then what happens is it's, we begin to develop it. You can't be developed by yourself. It's a temple that fitly joined, coming together, each person supplying life. It's like the head and all the oil flows down, the life comes down, like we've been talking about how to receive the anointing a few weeks ago. And if you do what you're supposed to do and get in the place that you're supposed to be in, what will happen is that seed will ultimately turn into a big bush and it will take over. And we know it says where the, seed, you know, the fowls of the air come in. What that means is that was talking about false teaching and stuff coming into to what faith is. But, but let me, I want you to hear this. You don't have to wait to be old for this to happen. All of a sudden, you cannot sin because you don't want to sin. The process will make you, as we, the old folks used to say, sin sick. That incorruptible seed in you, I want to tell you what, it'll make you just throw up and get if, if, uh, deathly ill. You will reject stuff. You won't want anything about it. It will smell bad to you. You despise it. That's what will happen to sin. When we are in the place where God's called us to and he called us to do, because that is that special anointing of God in what he promised for this, this day. He said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 23 through 25, being born again, of course we know that literally means being begotten. That means that you receive that seed. And then over a gestation period, that fetus of who you are develops. He gets his fingers, his toe. It, here it is. It's growing and growing. And then at the judgment seat of Christ, you're born of the Spirit. That's the analogy. Listen to what he said. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. How? Here it is again. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is grass, but the word of the Lord, of Yahweh, endures forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. All five of those passages that I just touched on today declare that the spiritual life in us is a life that was given to us from God. Well, Johnny, we knew, we've always known that. Really? Why don't we start acting like it? It's easy to know something. Well, I know that. But it's not the Greek word genosko. You haven't experientially know it. Because we've been in the wilderness so long. That, that power, the potential of what God has. We just don't really, when it comes down to it, really believe it. You know, when, I don't ask people to pray for me much. Let me tell you why. Because I don't think they really do. I think it's just like when somebody, you know, you walk up to somebody and say, Hey, man, how's it going? Well, I tell you what, yesterday morning I got up. Wait, whoa. It's just a cordial, you don't really want to know. Is it true or not? But why do we say it anyhow? Man, how you doing? How are things? You know we don't really, we could care less, really. Well, I tell you what, man, my, my, my side, it got on me again yesterday and you know, I got that bursitis over there, you know, and, and that crick in my neck, man. Uh, my wife, she and them kids, I mean, it's like, oh, my gee, what I. Uh, it's best just don't even say hey to those kind of people. No, I'm kidding. You know. <laughs> Let me tell you what. If you're going to communicate with a narcissist over the phone, make it text only. Text only. Text only. Oh, scriptures are talking about the spiritual life that's in us, that he impregnated me with a seed that would eventually turn me into a God. 
I got some people still, they whine about that. You think you're God? You know, I, I, I I used to travel, you know, I'm, I, named, I went by the name Johnny Christ. <laughs> I mean, religious people be foaming at the mouth, you know, you ain't Jesus Christ. I said, I know I'm his little brother Johnny. <laughs> Trying to teach them that the fact that, you know, Johnny Christos, it's the gospel. God manifested in people. He began us. He seeds in us. He's quickening us. He's anointing us. He's empowering us. And that is a wonderful thing that should be happening in every one of you. Do you hear me? Every one of you should acknowledge and know that this is something that's happening inside of you. And you should continually be renewing your mind with that fact. Yeah, this happened to me. I'm telling you, don't worry about it. Renew your mind and remind yourself there's something continually in me. I have been begotten of God, and I have the Spirit of God by the will of God, through the Word of God, and minister through the angels of God to make sure that I get to my destination if I stay on track. And we just say, see, but besides that, this is what we do. When something bad happens, where you at? I've been tithing. Why haven't you been giving me Look. Your tithe has really got nothing to do with that. Your tithe is about one thing. He's going to prove that you're not a thief. If you really believe that he is who he is and you can't give 10% of the income, trust me, you don't really believe in God. It's the most simple thing. We got, we got this wonderful thing happening. But when this crisis comes, it's because we have this expectation on the day of Pentecost. They did that and blind eyes was open there and that happened to them there and that happened to them there and that happened to them there. Well, you ain't them. We ain't them. We is us. And we have a purpose. And we have an anointing here. And a power of the Spirit of God. And the Word of God here. And it is causing that seed to be developed. And it's developing you morally. And one day, I promise what will happen, it will change you and transform you physically. Get it right. Get it right. Like working for somebody all day. Working hard. And then you find out you're... You're in the wrong yard. You get nothing for it. Obviously, this happened to somebody over here. Watch this. The placing of these passages side by side to me, and what I'm trying to do with, it, with you this morning and with us this morning, is to do this without going into the long depth of what we could. It shows that the new man within us, Ephesians 4.22 which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Let me tell you what can't sin. That new man inside of me can't sin. Y'all hear me? Because he's created in true righteousness and holiness. Or is it righteousness and true holiness? There is something in me that can't sin. It may be embryonic. It can't stay in the wilderness forever. You've got to cross on over. You've got to come out. Come out wherever you are. Come out. Come into the, be baptized into the cloud. Get in the body. Let that thing start being developing because it cannot develop on its own. Why do you go to church for it? Because it can't develop on its own. I, mean, I, don't, I already know all that stuff. Can't develop on its own. This beautiful thing that's happening within us individually and us corporately in our house number two in our homes. It happened, look, by the word of God. I'm telling you what. That word we've been preaching here has changed your lives. It's rocked your world. How many of you know it's true? Oh, my God. Peter said that incorruptible seed is what's brought about my begotting or being begotten of him. And I'm going to tell you how that came. By the word of the good news, by the word of the gospel. It's always interesting to me how I've seen men. I'll just tell you. The denomination I was in was known in its leadership. Now, this isn't everybody, y'all. I'm just telling you. But it, it had a, a reputation for immorality. Some of the biggest names and preachers in my denomination, some I knew. Television networks. Immorality. Why? Why is it that if you have this incorruptible seed that's, that is, comes from righteousness and true holiness... How can you do that? Now, there's some people that are just moral, and they would be moral if, if there was a, you know, 
no matter where they would go. I started having an illustration there and they throw it out in the garbage. No matter what situation put them in, they're good people. And they ain't going to do nothing wrong. Now, they may in their heart not show it, but I'm just saying, I'm not talking about just being moral people. I'm talking at the character and the likeness of the one true, uncreated one. That's in you. James says it this. He begat us with the word of truth. Yahshua said that the word is spirit and it quickens. So the gospel that we preach should bring life to and change us. And I'll give you this. It may not happen overnight. But that gentleman, if you're the head of a stinking church denomination, you should have already got over adultery and fornication and, and that junk. Hey, man, come on, lying, covetousness. Are you kidding me? Begetting power that came and changed my life. And I know people don't like me to say this. So you work it out the way you want to hear it as long as you're to where we are now. I remember when I was a little boy, nine years old, seven years old, I went and prayed a sinner's prayer. The guy who preached that children's revival, I think he just passed away last year. Maurice Lednicki. How about that? How about pulling that one out of the drawer? Huh? That's an old name. They had these children's church there, and they had this table, and you could get coupons. Coupons. And you could get, and you could buy stuff. Well, I went and prayed the sinner's prayer. I remember at nine years old, they just wouldn't leave me alone. Every time revival came, they'd go to the altars, and my daddy'd come drag me down that altar. I'm nine years old. I'm outside, you know, burning stuff. We used to have these big floodlights, and if you got, you could get chewing gum paper and put spit on it, pop it on there, it would smoke and stink like a stink bomb. I was out there playing chase, tag. My daddy dragged me down to that altar. I get at that altar, and these people went on the side. But you know the story says, "Turn loose, turn loose." Went, hang on, hang on, <laughs> turn loose, hang on. I mean, these people, them old people, had garlic and onions and stuff for supper. You know that night or whatever. I'm down at that altar and I'm looking around, and and my buddies are out there running around, burning stuff, you know, and playing tag. And I'm down there, and and I was thinking, man, turn loose. And I remember hearing old Sister Green, old Sister Green, she prayed, she always gave a message in tongues. And of course, somebody gave an inter interpretation. My interpretation was this. Yeah, I say unto thee, Johnny, this day, if you'll say they'll leave you alone, let you go back outside and play. So I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> I'm at the altar, bro. They're on me like that. So I said, they're like, say it again. I said, Condidii. Say it again. Louder. Condidii. 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 Oh, he's got it. Guess what? Got up, walked off with the next person. I Condidii myself right out of the back row. I'm like, Condidii. Here I go. Hey, you know, Condidia. Okay, well, did you have an experience with God? Possibly. I may have got touched, you know. I mean, I love God, but I think I really love church. I love church. My dad traveled, man. There was girls at church, wasn't it, Reggie? I mean, there was girls. You go there, you, you know, like a, you, you have a, a Navy, a sailor has a girlfriend in every port. I had every one of those churches, man. Like, hey, dad, what church are you going to today? You know, I don't think God's leading us to that one. I think he's leading us to that brunette. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, brew, well, you know, church, dad. So, and then I, I got to a place that, you know, and I don't want to tell what you, some people call a testimony, but I know that Yahweh hand was on me in a way and I was just going through there I don't believe that I really got the true forgiveness of my sins according to the scriptural pattern of that word that really gives me the spirit until I got baptized into this gospel so I was your pastor and I pastored and traveled all over the country and big churches you know 10,000 seat 5,000 seat if that if that impresses anybody it don't me and people respond and all that but I do not believe that I had the true forgiveness of sins. And I'll tell you one of the things, if I can, you let me be honest with you. Man, I was still bound with sin. I couldn't get over it. I couldn't. And you know what? I think that's why they developed the grace message. Oh, God forgives you. For, my God. And I did it. I'm, I mean, that's how I got to know God, really. I mean, I go, hey, um, you're like going to the principal in high school. Hey, Johnny, how you doing? I'll see you this afternoon at 3.30. 
I'm going to go to God. I'm sorry. I'm, and I want to tell you all, I was sorry. I was like, I don't want to be that. I don't want to do that. You know, and what my, what my worst sin, it's real secretive, but my worst sin is this. Any none of your business. Y'all need to deliver from wanting to hear gossip is what y'all need. It, don't, it doesn't matter. But I want to tell you, the day that I believed, the power of sin was broken in my life. You hear what I said? The power of sin was broken in my life when I got baptized because that's the only place to, to believe, repent, believe, get baptized. That's the place that your sins are forgiven, and that's the place you receive an incorruptible seed. And I want to tell you, I've been growing mine like crazy ever since. Now, did God use those things? Yes. God can use anything that I, you know, what was the path? But you don't have to grow up in church like me. You can grow up as a heathen somewhere. It's all going to lead you to this place that many of you have been led to. And listen to this. Without thinking I'm preaching Calvinism or, or uh, predestination, but it's because of the will of God. Without being arrogant, because this isn't arrogant to me. It's, hum it's hum humbling. You know, why did you really get to know who I am? Why did you really get to know me? How, what, what really caused our paths to cross? Was it because we like to golf together? Was it like we like to fish together? We like to eat the same food together? What, what, what's the real eternal purpose? I guarantee you, I know one reason it could be. Because where else are you going to hear this gospel? You are so lucky this morning that God has caused you and allowed you to be part of something that he is doing in the earth right now and preparing a people. And that's what we're doing, preparing a people for Yeshua to return to rule and reign with him in the earth. There's your anointing. There's your spirit. There's those things that are working you. That's the begetting in your heart of that word of God. And by that, I'm talking about the spirit of God that's in us. And it's nothing more powerful than that corporate anointing. You've got a little unity, you know, like that. But I'm not talking about, there, there's, a, there's a Facebook page of people that I love. They're, they're sincere and all that. But I'm going to tell you what, if something happens to me, I get sick. Do not put me on their prayer list. Oh, don't do it. Because everybody on that prayer list dies. I mean, whoa, no, 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 no. Hey, Johnny, I delete. The scriptures are written for us to believe and accept. Not only does this spirit word beget us. But it's the means of how we continually grow. Peter goes on to say, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and guile, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. We know that scripture. But you've got to get off the breast eventually. It's not a true idea that this, this spirit gift comes and takes over us and at baptism and just God's this individual in righteousness because everybody that I've known who has lived their life that way has an immoral character and their motive is tainted. Your devotion and my devotion to the truth of what God's word is and the power which the Bible says I've shown you today that his word is the spirit. Something that initiates life and brings a light where there's darkness and it's capable and suitable for sustaining life and causing me to grow. And through the transforming power, it resides, that, though, it, though it resides in the Word of God, it only can become effective. But I'm talking about this power, this Spirit, the Spirit of God, Yahweh's Spirit, part two. What I'm talking about, that the power resides in that Word, but it is only going to be effective if you and I Apply the word and embrace it and receive with meekness. What do you do? I obey it. Let me tell you what salvation is. It ain't a one-time walk down the aisle. I'll tell you that much right now. It ain't a bumper sticker on your car. How's the song go, Joel? He's a lamp unto my feet. But it is dependent upon this. Your and my mind assimilating to the divine ideas the divine principles, and the affection of that's, that is exhibited in the Holy Scriptures. So it, this process begins with us. We believe the gospel when we hear it. The mentality of, it don't matter what you really believe. I got the Spirit of God in me. You're wrong. I got a friend of mine who's, who asked another friend of mine who's this traveling evangelist prophet. Love him, love him, love him. The guy said, so this other guy was a friend of mine, asked this friend of mine, so you're telling me that God told you that Trump's going to be our next president? 
And he said, I'm telling you right now, unequivocal, I've heard him say that word, you know, absolutely. How about that? God told me. I'm going to tell you what, that's one of the worst things I ever hear a preacher's mouth. God told me to tell you, oh, 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 keep it to yourself. I don't want to know. Or thus saith the Lord. I hate to hear a thus saith the Lord after, after somebody comes to me because I know it's just junk out of their own heart, their own spirit. Now there's genuine, oh, all right, let's don't get crazy with it. This process, when you believe this gospel, that there is not completed yet. And I want you to look at me right now. It takes a lifetime for its scope. I don't know. You know what we know what it's like? It's like my grandkids right now. Can I open presents? I want to open presents. Can we open presents now? Can we open, open, open presents now? I, want to open presents. I said, let me tell you something. They're driving me, me crazy. If I hear it one more time, I'm taking all your presents and taking them to Mariah's kids next door. You got it? <laughs> I've talked a little meaner to y'all. I probably said, please don't do that no more. And it takes this, and this is the part people don't like, an untiring diligence to accomplish and finish the race. Your mind and my mind, look, our carnal mind is the enemy of God. You know that? Don't worry about some devil, some Satan, some demon. Your carnal mind is the enemy of God. And all his, your ideas are alien from God's ways. And it ain't going to be brought into the divine likeness overnight. Can you say, thank you, Lord, I know that's true. It's a work of slow development. It can only be achieved by the industrious application of, of every individual to the means which God has given for this purpose, such as what? The expression of his mind through the truth of the Scriptures. The state of the mind in accordance to what we've learned and what we're learning of the Spirit that's displayed in the Bible. And we have this daily intercourse with that in our minds and unfolded there. We are therefore be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind that you might prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Let me tell you this. They taught me that, okay, well, there's three wills of God. There's a good will, there's an acceptable will, and then there's a perfect will. That is not what that says. Because all that does, your carnal, let me tell you what your carnal mind will do that. The carnal mind version of the Bible will tell you this. Well, I'm not in God's perfect will but I'm in his permissible will. Have you heard that before? Have you heard that? Look, God called you to be at this church. You should be here. There's, if, if he hadn't, fine. I told somebody the other day, I, I, I'm not, I don't want thousands of people to come to our church, but I do want those that's supposed to be here. So, well, I'm not, in, I'm not in the perfect will of God, but I'm in the permissible will of God. That's baloney. You, you are in your own will. You are in rebellion. And you'll never receive anything from God. You'll do it all by the carnal mind that knows nothing of God. And you'll do it by the flesh that profits nothing. Man and woman who has decided they know that incorruptible seed there. And they're going to do what they got to do. This is something. You cannot do it by yourself. You cannot achieve this spiritual mindedness for lack of a better word. It takes the hand of God. Are you with me? I'm almost done. I think. Paul defines it this way, Hebrews 1.14. Are they not all ministering spirits sit for to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Let me tell you this, and I don't like the, the teaching on angels usually. They look, they, most of them look effeminate. True? You have a, the whole world's conception of angels. And then the other side of that is, man, we're bad. We're warriors. We're going to kill everybody. You know, it's both sides, carnal mind, carnal mind. But what they are is they're ministering spirits. Say spirits. What does that mean? They have been transformed from a flesh state and blood state by an incorruptible seed into a spirit, a flesh and spirit state. And they are there. And they are working behind the scenes for you and me. They are ministering this. They are putting this here, blocking that there, opening this here. They're doing it for you. You just keep going. Remember, remember the old cartoons where the guy was like, he start walking. I mean, I say it's like a Charlie Chaplin, Chaplin show or uh, Buster Keaton and those guys. They walk like this and they come over a, a big, you know, hole in, a hole in the ground or a big uh, drop off. And all of a sudden a crane pulls a, a, a thing there and he, he just walks right across that and he goes there. I mean, he never misses a step. That should be the walk of the spirit for us. We just <laughs> and with a step off, there's a step made. It, they are there. 
And they are working through experience and God's Word. They're working in us to produce this desired character, likeness, godliness, godlikeness, true holiness. And it grows slow and wonderfully. And we don't know how, but just like a tree carefully tended by that gardener, or a good word in the Bible would be husbandman, it gradually begins to unfold into its mature, shapely form, beautiful with leaves and blossoms and fruit. I've got a good teaching on the providence of God you might want to go back and look at. God is operating on our behalf. Look at me. Not on your behalf. Not on my behalf. I say our behalf. Why? Because he's all about spiritually financing his purpose. Not your agenda. Y'all hear me? Not my agenda. Abraham said this in Genesis 24. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house, he shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from hence. The whole story about how his son got and got Rebecca, you know what it was? They just happened to be there at the right time to do the right thing. How many of you believe that God will put in your path the person at the right time to provide the right thing of what you need in your life? If you don't, you're going to miss it. Because you're going to supplement it with something that you're going to have to tend to the rest of your life. My mother, years ago, always waited till I go out town before she traded cars. She didn't want to have to deal with me. And she traded cars whenever that battery ran out. That's what she did. When that battery got bad, she was gone. Hey, honey, you're going, to, you're going to out of town? Yeah, I'll be back in a couple of days, but I'll be, you know, back. Okay. She'd see my car drive by. Click. Off she went. I told her, look, let me go. I'll, I'll make, let me go for you. And she bought this, I think it was the kind of, when she bought that big purple Buick. Turnip seed Chevrolet. It might be Palm by then. Well, she gets it. I go see her. Yes, I did. Oh. And there was no Christmas tree. So I go see her, and I was like, would you trade cars? Yeah, 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 I trade cars. That's okay. I said, did you get a good deal? She, I said, can I see the paperwork? No, I'm good. I got a good deal. I said, well, just let me see it. They charged my mother 54% interest. But her payment was right. <laughs> I said, I think, well, in the year 2025, this will be paid off. I mean, I said, so I'm like, uh-oh. I want to speak to Bill. Hey, Bill, you're charging my mama 50 foot. Well, I uncovered a whole mess over there. Bill got fired, and he'd done it to about 40-something other people who had, were oblivious. And what he did, I think it's some kind of deal he gets with the bank where he gets a certain amount. And come, I don't know. Dick, Dick knows how it works. <laughs> right place, right time. God, angels, and look, I know we can think about that spooky, but it ain't going to happen because you hold your hands on the steering wheel a certain way. Or you, you didn't miss your routine this morning. You know, you didn't say, okay, I got to put this sock on first, that sock on first. Okay, now I know it's going to happen. And y'all know how routine y'all are. If I get out of my routine, I can forget everything. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh my God, I forgot everything. Listen to this. These angels are ministering spirits to those People who were involved in the purpose of God in the earth at that time, historically. Sometimes the Holy Spirit, or sometimes by the Holy Spirit, they will operate directly and physically. Genesis 20, 18, listen to this. For Yahweh had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah's Abraham life. Esau and Jacob. Jacob's little hand took the heel of his brother Esau. It's no more than a prompting of the mind at the right time sometimes where Yahweh just tells you, hey, do that. You think, all of a sudden you think, oh, how old, you know, Larry's doing. You just call him. I've been called luckiest crap before. It ain't me. It's just us being led by the Spirit. Not being filled with the Spirit only, but being, but walking in the Spirit. For those that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. And that's the word weos. It's mature sons. Man, this all-powerful Yahshua and his angelic host 
see all our ways. They know the pitfalls that lie ahead of us and hear all our prayers. This is the powerful ministration of the Spirit, but it's not made known to us other than us seeing it after the fact. You don't usually see it ahead of the fact. And the reason I'm saying us today is because of this. You need to understand this. It don't happen for lone rangers. It don't happen to people. I tell you what, I've, I got the Spirit of God in me. That, that, well, you know, maybe that happened one time in history somewhere, but that is not the purpose of God in the earth today. I want to be where God's anointing, where He's commanding the blessing. I don't want a day of Pentecost. I don't want to cross the Red Sea and, and, the, the, uh, it, it, and walk across on dry land. I don't want that. I want what God has for me now. And I want to be what God needs me to be for Him now. Are you with me? The mind of God and the believer has been created by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a person. It is a power. Got good teachings on it. That offends a lot of people. I said, I told him, I said, hey, good morning, Holy Spirit's wrong. The book's wrong. It ain't scriptural. It, it made it, it, it's described as the Spirit of God in us, the Spirit of God in us, God in us, Christ in us, Christ dwelling in our heart by faith. This work of the Spirit don't require the giving of this Holy Spirit like on the day of Pentecost. And that's what people want so bad, and they don't get it. Now, can God sovereignly say, you know, I think I'm going to do that? Yeah, He can do anything He wants to. Don't support the belief of someday or some, some today that they have this gift now. Well, i tell you what, I'm anointed. I have the Holy Ghost upon me, and I'm anointed, and it's molded in my life, and it's working in my life. That's just not true. It is not a scriptural pattern. It is not there. Such a character of God is formed by the new man of the Spirit. It's that seed that's in you. It's a spirit in us in harmony with God's mind. It's very, very, very precious. It will be in God's mercy perpetuated forever and ever, and it's not improper to call this character spirit, a character spirit. I like, I like character spirit better than I like Holy Spirit because people for years have the Holy Spirit, but they don't have no character. That's something in the core that I use to change my perception. It's a reality. It's something that's inside of us. It's something that's part of us. It's, it's the, in the very being of who you are. So, yes, you can, and we can. It's not some entity that can be taken away or given away like this spirit gift is. I found out through the much disappointment that Jesus doesn't live in my heart. I was, you're kidding, because I, I always thought as a little boy I had, to, I had this little bone in my heart. And Jesus was in there sitting there with his legs swinging like that. That's how I saw him as a little boy in my heart. Into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I'm singing every Sunday it's not something that I got it one day and it's gone. It's the very conforming of our brain and the facial reflection of this character. And they're the physical expression of the Spirit's character, which is God's character. It will be made permanent when this incorruption, when corruption puts on incorruption. The Spirit of God working in us. I'm going to close. There's a few more things I can say. Bye. Send me your money. 